I'm going to be talking tonight uh, about your body is your practice and what that means. And I've been kind of teaching on this topic for a while. Just to give you kind of the outline for tonight, um, we're going to do a short embodiment practice to begin just for five minutes or so. Then I'm going to give a bit of a talk. And then, and then that will kind of lead us into sort of the longer um, guided meditation aspect of the evening. And then there'll be plenty of time for discussion and questions and things um, at the end. So a couple um, things I want to say up front. One is that um, don't feel that you need to sit upright the whole time. So you're welcome to lie down if you need to. You're welcome to stand up if you need to, you know, kind of. Do what you need to do to take care of your yourself. You know, they said in my in my daughter's pre-K class, you know, um, do what you need to do so your whole body can listen. And so that's kind of true for all of us grown-ups too. So um, you have my permission to move or or do what you need to. Uh, one other kind of a housekeeping note about Zoom and and me. You'll hear about this more in my talk, but um, I can't really type. I have a, a, a disability where uh, I can't really type and so Chastity's really been the is the main person who's going to be dealing with a lot of that aspect of the talk but I'm only saying that because if you privately chat me I won't be able to um, respond but I can uh, say it out loud in a way that um, doesn't reveal anyone's identity so I'm just letting you know that that if you if you don't if I don't respond to you it's that's why okay so let's let's start off with the first kind of embodiment practice that we're going to do tonight. And again, this will just be a couple minutes. And so if you're sitting, take your seat. So that just means taking a moment to am I how I want to be right now or my sits bones underneath me. Watch this. So recommend that you close your eyes. Um, so eyes closed and just starting to bring your awareness to the parts of your body that are touching the chair or the floor. Basically bringing your awareness to all the points of contact that you have with the ground or the chair. To just come back again, feeling your feet, feeling your hindquarters, backs of your legs, maybe. is 
that you're fully supported by the earth. You're not levitating. Because you're fully supported by the earth, which is a bit large beyond imagination, To hold yourself up. The earth is fully supporting you, holding you in the palm of its hand, you could think. So this means you don't need to work so hard in your shoulders and your neck. crown of your head through the ceiling, through the roof of whatever building you're in, up into the sky overhead. So a sense of limitless space above us. behind you way past the wall behind you and down to your sides as well out past the side walls of whatever room you're in just opening like a camera aperture to the sense of space in all directions.
okay. I think I just fixed an audio problem that we were having. So sorry if the sound was coming in and out. If if it's not fixed, we'll we'll fix it soon. So now tuning in to your torso, so like your throat, your shoulders and chest, your belly. Places where like emotion really tends to reside or be felt. And just ask yourself, what area wants my attention the most or what feels kind of most alive right now in my torso? Could be your heart, your throat, it could be a sore shoulder, or neck or pain, whatever it is, good, pleasant, good, neutral or unpleasant. What feels most alive? And you can just bring a hand there for a moment. And the hand is uh, not a fixing hand or just a sense of acknowledging that this is what I'm experiencing right now. I don't have to fix it. And I still have all that ground underneath me, all that space all around. And finally, just letting go of any kind of formal practice and just resting in your experience without effort. Okay, so you can open your eyes. Okay, so um, that's a short embodiment practice that I often like to do. The start of meditation or just throughout the day, you can condense that or ex extend it as well. Um, so it's, it's really about kind of working with these three different parts of us. These aren't the only three, but first is kind of body. Uh, second is mind in a certain sense of getting our awareness, like having a sense of just outside of the, this confines. It also wakes up our posture when we start having a sense of space, especially above and behind us. It's like an indirect way of waking up our posture. And then the third is really like our heart. So connecting with that, because it's not easy for us to kind of have a sense of balance of all three of those parts of ourselves especially if we're in chronic pain, especially if we're really stressed, things like that. So um, is the sound better, by the way? Yeah, okay, good. So sorry about that. Um, like one out of every five times, Zoom selects the wrong microphone for me. I don't know why. So it chose this other input. My body and Zoom, those are my two practices, my two main spiritual practices are Zoom technology. Um, so tonight, uh, this, this class tonight, Your Body is Your Practice, is grown out of what has kind of unexpectedly 
um, and somewhat reluctantly become my life's work, which is um, at kind of at the intersection of mindfulness, chronic pain and illness, Alexander Technique. So um, I'm trained as an Alexander Technique teacher, which for those of you who don't aren't familiar, it's a set of skills for better managing one's reactions to stress, to performance. Uh, it works on posture, works on muscle tension, and kind of it's very similar in some ways to the meditation in that Alexander Technique is like a subtractive process. So we're kind of removing the interference that gets in the way of our natural posture and movement in the similar way that meditation, we're not creating a better mind, we're kind of getting in touch with our nature as it is. And so it's working with interference more so than trying to be better all the time. So um, I'm teaching this class because I think that there's so much sanity and uh, compassion and wisdom and um, joy that can be found when we really ground our practice in the body. But there's also a lot of kind of pitfalls and cultural miscues and things like that that make it really challenging and really confusing. And so I wanted to kind of share tonight some of my experience working with that and experience working with students. So um, I've been teaching for a long time and um, both Alexander Technique and, and meditation. Um, so, and, and, and the reason why I got into the Alexander Technique is because when I was about 25, I developed a chronic pain condition and in an illness where um, I, in a couple, within a couple months, I went from being like very healthy. I rode my bike across the country, played water polo, to I couldn't type um, without great pain. And then I couldn't hold a piece of paper and then I couldn't dress myself. And so I had about a couple years where I wasn't really able to like, you know, turn the page in a book because of pain and was very disabled, obviously. And I was pretty young. And uh, so, it was a stressful period, you could say, and uh, there was a lot of uncertainty about what was going on, what was happening inside my body, what I should do about it, all the bigger consequences in my life, finances, career, all of these things were, it was very up in the air. And uh, in some ways, that's kind of when I really, I feel like learned to practice in a way. I had been practicing for a while before that, but having these issues in my body and in my life come up made it clear pretty quickly that my old approach to meditation practice was not going to work anymore. And I'm going to talk a little bit about why tonight. Um, so I want to kind of address where many of us are coming from, you know, whether we have chronic pain or some injuries or distress in our life, change, change of jobs, change of relationships, you know, if you're basically, if you're alive right now, there's a gap between where you want to be, where, or where you think you should be, and kind of where you are at any particular moment, right? There's often a sense that we're kind of haven't yet arrived fully where we belong, where we should be, where we want to be. And I think all of us experience that gap. And that's one of the first teachings in Buddhism is this um, sense of dissatisfaction that we feel. And how we relate to that is a big part of our life journey. 
And I can tell you that um, that time in my mid-20s, that gap was very large between where I wanted to be and where I was. And a lot of pain, was, felt very helpless, was really required a lot of care. And um, what I noticed is that like, um, and I've noticed this kind of in my career teaching the Alexander Technique in meditation, that um, there's this thing that I call the treadmill of self-improvement. And so the treadmill of self-improvement is, it's not any particular activity. It's not like just yoga or nutrition, all of those things, which I, I really like, but it's a mindset. And the mindset essentially is that like, we can't start living until we're better, right? I'm gonna, things are on hold until I make more money, until I finally can buy a house, until my back heals, whatever, right? Then I'll start appreciating life. Then I'll take care of myself. Then I'll think of others, then whatever. Then I'll, I'll really make the most out of, out of my life. But of course, right, we're always on a kind of a treadmill, right? And that's what Buddhism's been saying for a long time. Um, but we can kind of feel like we're making progress or at least trying to make progress by working really hard to kind of change our current experience, right? To feel better, to get better, which are totally laudable and totally admirable motives, right? To feel better, to get better. It's only human that if we're really struggling that we'd wanna be better and feel better. The challenge though is that like things like Alexander Technique and certainly meditation can really get subsumed under this treadmill of self-improvement. Um, kind of mindset. You know, I'm just so tired of feeling out of control. I'm so tired of being with these thoughts all the time or feeling the way I do. You know, it's time to change. And we get kind of sick of our experience. Or we think we add, we add a layer of judgment, another layer of judgment. I shouldn't be feeling so anxious or so down. You know, other people don't feel this way. I'm too, I'm too sensitive or whatever it may be, right? And so if we, if we take these kinds of feelings and these kinds of thoughts and we then arrive at our meditation cushion, right, or our chair or wherever we do our practice, and we say, this is the thing that's going to change me, right? Gonna, this is fine. I'm finally going to start to feel more control over my life. I'm going to steer more towards the kind of experience I want to have, right? What I think is happiness or what I think is, you know, being okay or what I think is success. What happens when we start to kind of try and overly control or manage our body, our internal experience, or our meditation, is that kind of the opposite happens, right? The more we try to kind of resist what's arising within us, right? The more we push away what's already here, whether that's fear or pain or sadness or overwhelm, the more we push it away, well, we, we can't push it away because it's there. So what happens is we start to feel kind of ashamed. Like, why can't I do this? Well, what's, what's, what's up with me? Why can't I, can I deal with this? I've been meditating for 10 years. Or we, and we also start to feel isolated. We feel kind of more isolated or separate from others. So those are these kind of like, those are like the twin sicknesses of sickness in a certain way that people who've been chronically ill or people who are just going through a hard time in their life for a while almost invariably feel a sense of 
kind of shame and isolation, the greater or lesser degree. And so this is kind of here a turning point for tonight that I want to talk about, which is that so we can either take our experience, whatever it may be right now for ourselves, as proof that you know we're shitty meditators or something like that, or we're unworthy, or we can use our situation as a way to connect with others and develop empathy. And that was a big realization for me is that like, I was in like empathy graduate school when I was in this situation, right? It's like, you know, um, I went to a really good college, you know, got fellowships and stuff. And then I'm like, I'm in a workers' compensation court in Brooklyn and like these schlubby lawyers are arguing over small amounts and it was really um, painful. And I had a lot of time where I was saying, I can't believe this is happening to me. I can't, whatever, about all these different things. But there was also times where I was like, oh, so this is what it feels like to be someone who feels powerless in a system. Or this is what it feels like to be really alone. Or this is what it feels like to not, to be a human being who doesn't know what to do with themselves. And so when we start to kind of land on our present moment, when it's not so much a criticism of ourselves or a failing, but of what is this moment like? What is it really like to be a human being right now? That's the gold mine. That's when our experience starts to really transform and really change. Because then we start to shed the twin sicknesses of shame and isolation. We start to feel more connected to others. And we start to be curious. And the voice totally changes in our head when we start to ask, so what is this situation like right now? It opens us up to so much empathy. And so, <laughs> If we see meditation as a kind of like a mastery, like our goal in meditating is to like, is to gain mastery over ourselves, as in like control ourselves. Well, I don't think it's really going to work out. And I think the people who tend to quit meditating are people who tend to, that's their project. And it doesn't work out. They didn't, they didn't like uh, put their mind in uh, obedience school. It didn't, they didn't, their mind didn't graduate from obedience school, you know? But um, if we see meditation as a path of openness, of making friends with ourselves, which is how it's talked about in the Shambhala tradition, making friends with our life, well, then we're getting great raw material every day, plenty to work with. And we're kind of experts in our own way, right? Reach experts. What does it feel like to be a blank who's feeling blank? You know, whatever that is for us, you know, whatever thing we're kind of struggling with. So tonight I'm going to go through a couple approaches kind of in, in our in our sit together. And um, I'm just going to review them just a little bit ahead of time. So first I'm going to talk a little bit about posture because I, um, I think there's a lot of like um, unhelpful advice about posture and un unhelpful approach about posture. So... 
I'm going to kind of lead us through a little posture check-in here. Then we're going to do our main kind of meditation practice, which will be an embodiment practice. Be kind of synchronizing our mind and our body. Pretty simple. I'll give some instruction about that. And then <clears throat> one of the things I want to talk about sort of is, is really like an attitude thing as opposed to necessarily a technique, which is that when we're sitting, invariably emotions arise, charged feelings, pain, things that um, are, ch are challenging. They have some uh, freight or charge to them. My main advice tonight to, to try is to um, kind of not have to be in charge of your internal experience, right? So the thing that you kind of are being active about is where your awareness is, right? You notice your awareness is with your thoughts, and then you bring it back to the body breathing. But when you notice that you're feeling kind of like a little squeeze in your throat or tightness in your belly or something, you don't have to be in charge of it, right? You don't have to make it go away. It's not up to you. It doesn't mean that you want it to be there forever or that you love it. But I'm just inviting you to feel like you don't have to be so responsible for what's kind of arising in your own meditation practice. So it's almost like a, uh, I don't know if hands off is the right word, but you're giving some space. That's partially why we did that spatial awareness thing in the beginning. So that's an attitude to have. We don't have to be so in charge of controlling our experience when we meditate. Because we're not trying to get anywhere specific. That's, that's, that's the thing. We're not trying to steer ourselves just towards some kind of narrow thing of this is how, what it means to be a human. So we're not, we're not trying to steer. We're trusting our nature. And our nature as human beings is awake, spacious, and healthy. And then the last thing we'll be doing is kind of working, uh, <clears throat> bringing a bit more sense of loving kindness into our practice. So I'll kind of introduce that sort of towards the end of our meditation. Does um, anyone have any questions before we before we begin? No. Okay. So um, if not, so why don't you set yourselves up to sit or meditate lying down, however you'd like to be. So the first thing I want to say about, um, we're going to do a four-point posture kind of check-in. And um, it's the acronym is STAG, S-T-A-G. And um, first thing that this stands for is sits bones or sitting bones, these two bony protrusions that are kind of at the bottom of your pelvis. So if you put your hands underneath your rear end, you'll feel them. And so, in fact, if, if you don't mind, Feel them. Find, find those two little bony protrusions. And let yourself slump and feel what happens to them. And then come on up, like, like really like overdo it as if you were an Alexander teacher was harassing you. Okay. And then now slump again. Feel what they do. And then one more time, kind of like arching your chest up. Okay. And then you can let your hands go. Do you feel that? Do you feel your sits bones moving? 
you anyone yeah so when you slump they go forward and then when we arch our back they flare back right so when we sit in meditation we want to be in between those two extremes right we don't want to have our sits bones slumped forward and we don't want to have them angled back so um for many of us this means an easy way to do this is to get your um, hips higher than your knees so raising your chair sitting on a little cushion i know that you didn't prepare for this so you don't have to do this tonight but um you know something like these little meditation cushions that you sit on and they're not very expensive when you get your hips higher than your knees it makes just being upright so much easier it's actually really hard to sit upright when your torso and your upper legs are at 90 degrees that's just kind of hard we tend to slump so the first thing is sits bones. And so basically you want to just kind of feel, just close your eyes for just a moment here. Just feel like your sits bones are like kind of plugged in to the, to the earth. It's as if like your spine were kind of beginning in the earth, coming up through your sits bones, up into your spine, all the way through your head. So that's our base, our sits bones. Okay, and you can open your eyes. And then the T is for top of spine. So top of spine is up here. This bone then moves when you chew. If you just put your fingers there for a sec, just like a dowel. Yeah. So you want to, yeah, that's the top of your spine, all the way up there. So just let your head move like as if you're kind of looking up and down, but knowing that you can move from all the way up there. That's the top of your spine, not the base of your neck or the middle. So everything between your sits bones and your fingers. You could roughly think of as your spine. You could just turn to the side a little bit here. Yeah, that's good. Okay, and you can let that go. So that's the top of your spine. So we have our sits bones. We have the top of our spine up on top, you know, heads kind of resting on top. And then the A is for arms. Just let your arms dangle for a moment. Yeah, arms do so much work during the day. You're just kind of thinking here, giving your arms this little message like they don't need to work hard. They don't need to get ready to do anything. In fact, you can imagine like a little flow going out through your arms from the top of your spine, down your neck, down across your shoulders, down your arms, through your fingertips. And then just let your fingertips lead the way so that your hands are just kind of resting on your thighs. Arms are just easy. So that's sits bones, top of spine and arms. And then G is gaze, especially with Zoom, but even when we're just meditating, the tendency is to really drop our head forward over time. So I want you to kind of think that you're allowing light to come to you. As, as a contrast, the ancient Greeks thought that the way that we saw was through these things called, I think, pharons. They were like, went out. I've seen their drawings. They thought our vision happened by something inside of us going out, grabbing vision and coming back and putting it in our brain or our, our, our head. Now, now we don't necessarily think, none of us think that's happening, but we do tend to kind of strain and kind of grab, we tense, lean forward. You're much more passive about it, you wanna be. You wanna just allow everything you're seeing to come up to you through your eyes and it's getting processed at the back of your skull right here, which coincidentally or not is the, you know, for our purposes, is the top of your spine. So just kind of allowing what you're seeing, including peripheral vision, to come up to you, to your eyes, and all the way to the back of your skull where it's getting processed. 
this is a sneaky way of helping us maintain a sense of regalness and alignment when we meditate, but without being super stiff about it. So you can refresh any of these as, as you need to during your meditation, but gaze is probably the easiest one to refresh. Just when you notice that you're kind of slumping forward, just remember you're allowing what you're seeing to come up to you. It's kind of soft gaze too. You're not straining to see anything. So um, and now we're going to be going into the kind of the main meditation. And I guess what I'd say is in general, I think people do better if they're either not looking directly at the computer screen or if their eyes are closed. So just because it's so much stimuli, people move around, the lights change, it's like distracting. So maybe now's a good time to either kind of move your screen a little bit to the side so you're not looking at it or you can close your eyes. It's totally up to you. Yeah, or move yourself. So I haven't thought about that option. Because you really only need to hear my voice from now for a little while. Okay. So we have the space all around us, above us, behind us, the ground on top, uh, ground beneath us. And then somewhere in the middle of all that is our body breathing. Let's start to tune into that, the feeling of your body breathing. And I'm going to especially invite you to, in, to include in this feeling of your body breathing, your lower belly, like maybe an inch or two below your belly button. And the attitude is like curiosity. What does this feel like? So our object of meditation, the thing that we're going to come back to, that we bring our awareness back to, is the feeling of our body breathing and the sounds of our environment. Those two things. And when we come back, it's not like we're like a, it's not a, like a check checklist. Okay came back to breathing, done. We want to stay. The intention is to stay. But of course, the mind has other ideas. And soon we'll be thinking about tomorrow, thinking about later. And when you notice that your mind has gone elsewhere, just notice what that feels like in your body. Okay, thinking about work, feeling that for a moment, and then consciously coming back and placing your awareness on the body breathing and the sounds of your environment.
So in this practice, thoughts are not a problem. Just notice what it feels like when we're thinking. And again, place the return the awareness back to the body breathing and the sounds of your environment. So just noticing when the mind goes elsewhere, feeling that in the body for a moment, and then returning with your intention to stay with the body breathing and the sounds. All with this attitude of allowing, not having to kind of rule or change your internal experience.
So we're not trying to push away thoughts or stop thinking, but we can try when we notice we're really caught in a thought and it feels so real to just let it go. Let go of having to solve whatever we were trying to solve or replay whatever we were doing and just be with whatever's, whatever we're feeling in the body and the breath and the sounds. So the only effort we're applying is the effort to come back to the present moment. There's no effort needed to feel different. 
feel calmer or anything like that. You can let go of that effort. Just allow things to be. And this is what it feels like to be a human being right now. So one option I want to introduce is that as we sit, and especially as our discursive mind kind of settles even just a little bit, we start to often have more space to feel. And when we feel things that are uncomfortable, anxiousness, pain, sadness, 
anger, things like that, whatever it may be, or joy too, actually, excitement, anything with a charge. Uh, there's a nice practice that I like to do where I bring my hand onto my heart center. If it feels kind of difficult to just stay with whatever's arising. And kind of formally, actually, I do it. You don't have to do it so formally. Just saying, heart, this is fear. Fear, this is my heart. And you're just kind of like making an introduction, actually. We tend to be so cut off from our heart. And we would try thinking our way out of a problem any day rather than just being kind to ourselves. So heart, this is overwhelm, overwhelm. This is my heart. And then you don't have to do anything else after that. Just kind of connecting these two things, which is your feelings, or your suffering, or your excitement in whatever it is in your heart. And no expectations of there being a resolution necessarily. But we experience great suffering when we cut ourselves off from compassion. So feel free to try that as things arise in the last several minutes of our session tonight.
In a few moments, I'm going to ring the gong to close the practice session. You can just place your awareness on the sound of the gong as it goes out. Okay, so you can just let go of any formal practice and just let yourself be for a minute. Okay. So um, welcome back. Um, 